Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Many years ago, I belonged to a club um, which had a, a small group who looked after the lawns. The leader was uh, very experienced in this job, been, been doing it for years, and he knew what he was doing. And my background was um, <coughs> pastures and temperate crops, so I thought I'd pick it up fairly quickly, and I did. It's not all that uh, difficult, really. I'll call the man George, the guy who led it. He knew what he was doing, but as a person, he had a very, very touchy personality. He had a chip on his shoulder so big, uh, it almost overwhelmed him. Anyway, we got along pretty well as long as we were doing what we were doing. Now, if you're looking after any sort of lawn, it needs three things. Sunshine that provides the energy, water when the soil is dry, and fertilising that keeps it green. Before they'd been using superphosphate, which was completely the wrong thing to do, the tiny little spinner which didn't work very well. So we decided to change to liquid fertiliser. That means spraying it, means <coughs> you had them, all of the application was dead even the whole way across. But had a few problems. We had to get the spray unit, that was several hundred dollars. Took two people to work it, one with the hose and the other setting up the markers and so on. And it um, turned out to be, be a bit pricey as well. I thought there must be a way of doing this better and sim more simply. By this time, you could buy fertiliser that was suitable for the lawn, not super, in a pellet form, so it means it spread pretty well. And there's a little cheap spreader we could buy, so that, that looked fine. Only one person was needed to do the whole job and I worked out a system where this, when you spread with a spreader it goes, Peter would know, other farmers, it goes like that, high and low. So you work out your spacings and the next time you do it crossways, blah, 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 and so on. It worked. Well, George was never interested in changing to this little spread of fertiliser and using solids. In the end, he spat the dummy and ticked off, and that was the end of George. It was a shame, but um, I could do the stuff by myself anyway. Because I'd put the meeting, uh, the idea to the meeting of the club, and they said, yes, we went ahead with it, and that was the end of George. Now, a challenge to everybody here and those online, I used the magic bad word before in that story. Anyone pick it up? I didn't convince George to change to my way, the best way. Convince. That's part of the four C's. <coughs> First slide, thanks. 
something's going wrong after the picture thing. Now we've had Jesus. No, we're getting to Anyway, the four C's, if you recall, were convince, convict, coerce, control. As Josh pointed out last week, none of those four C's works when you're dealing with other people and the relationship, there we go, is fractured. Going back to the fertiliser story, I knew that George was touchy. I knew he was very fragile. But I knew that I had the right solution and I couldn't convince George to see my way, so that was it. This week, when I was preparing the sermon, I looked back on that incident and thought, well, yeah, I realised what I had... I knew I had done something wrong, but now with this four C's thing in my head, I had no idea what I did wrong, and that was to try to convince, number one, on that foursome. So today we move to the second of the series of four in the series that... Um, these sit in, that's reassembly required. That's it. A beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. And we often use these, one of these four C's when we're dealing with a situation because we're just not thinking straight. Convince, we dealt with last week. Convict, the second one. That means... When you're trying to convict someone, you put the hard word on them and make them feel so guilty because you've done so much good stuff for them that they should feel guilty, melt and comply and say, oh, yes, 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 please. To coerce is getting towards the physical. That's to ram your ideas into the other person's head so hard that it hurts and they do it just to stop the pain. And control sits behind every domestic violence situation. Ask President Putin, he knows all about controlling and coercion. So all those four C's come at things in a different way, but they all have the same result on the person or people on the other side are feeling. They feel how? Not happy if you try to convince, convict, coerce or control. They feel pressured. They can feel that they are being rejected. I'm right, you are wrong, I've got to get it through to you what is right. That's the problem. Rejection closes people off. Limits the access you have. It undermines the influence that we have on them. And the only reason we use any one of those four C's is that it's easy. We don't think straight because, <coughs> as it says on the slide, reassembling a broken relationship is a learned skill. We have to learn how to do it. This was mentioned last week by Josh. It'll come up, I'm sure, in the later series. So most of us want to be reconciled. We want a relationship to be fixed or reassembled. And 
we don't like it because we know it's not working and it puts us in a situation of tension. And we're really only as happy as our relationships are mutually satisfying. Our core relationships have to be healthy. Without that healthiness, we're under that tension. We know it's wrong. We know it's hurt the other people. And if we're thinking straight, we know it is not doing us any good either. It's not good for anybody's health, physical, emotional, or whatever. Now, last week, Josh made the point that the goal is not reconciliation. The goal is to have no regrets. You try your hardest. The goal is to know that we've done everything we can to repair that relationship, that broken relationship, whether it works or not is another matter, but at least we have no regrets. We've kept the door open, we've kept the welcome mat sitting there outside the door. We've removed all the obstacles we can and we've done everything we can to take the pressure off the other person. When we use any of those four C's of that four C approach, it's not going to work that way at all. So we now move to the two scripture readings. The first one from the letter of Paul to the people in Philippi. Just the one verse that Mel read. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. One sentence, that's all, that's all we need. Right through the Old Testament, after the first five books, you get prophet after prophet who is pointing out to the people, especially the leaders of the people, look, you've mucked things up. God has shown you his love for you. He got you out of Egypt, got you into this promised land, all that sort of stuff. You're not grateful because you're showing that you're not grateful. You've got away from the basic tenet of love. You, in the high positions, you've abused your power. <clears throat> they didn't use the 4C approach, but that's exactly what they had done. That abused their power, that flattened the people who are already low in the social scale. But what was worse, more often than not, they'd also followed the gods of the neighbouring people. The so-called god of Baal, the so-called god Asherah, all that lot. So that was in the Old Testament. This is not something that became evident only when Jesus came on the scene. But when he came on the scene, unlike the prophets, whose word was often unheard, well, they heard it with their ears physically, but in their minds, they didn't hear it. They just kept on going. Hence, the next prophet came up and came up with the same condemnation. Jesus went way beyond that. He knew people sinned. He knew people suffered. So what did he do? He gave himself up as an offering for atonement for that suffering. So it wasn't his sin. It was the sin of us as people. So when we adopt the same mindset as Christ Jesus, we must accept the fact that reassembly always starts with us no matter who caused the problem. If we cause it, they cause it. It also 
reconciliation, reassembly, whatever it is, it always has to start with us because we are we. We are who we are. When the other person is the one who's caused the fuss, that makes it harder, but it's still for us to start the reassembly. We don't wait for them. And we must resolve to get back to the other person, not at the other person. That little sentence from the letter to the Philippians has so much in it. So we move on now to the letter to the Romans, starting with verse 9, which starts off, Love must be sincere. That's the first little part of that verse. We have to be genuine. We have to be basically honest to with ourselves and see that person or those people in the same way that God sees that person or those people. That can be hard. The verse continues with another relational principle, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. When you're hating a what, not a who, it makes a huge difference. You can see the good in that person. You may not see the good in what they've done, but you can see the good in that person. It's like the old sporting saying, play the ball, not the man. Sometimes you watch a game and you think, where did that principle go? But that's another business. Next verse, verse 10, tells us, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. The hard bit is in the second part. We can be devoted to one another, but we've got to put them above us. That can hurt us. Our pride and our ego must be put down, not up above. It's not a competition. Next verse. Now this is a bit of a hard one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That means even if they speak badly of us, we mustn't echo that behaviour. We must genuinely speak positively. Speak well of them. And that can be very difficult, extremely difficult indeed. Next verse starts off quite happily. And that is, rejoice with those who rejoice, but then it gets a bit sad, mourn with those who mourn. It's natural if we are anything like a disciple of Christ to do both of those without thinking about it. Now, verse 16 starts off in a similar vein, but it's got a bite <coughs> in the latter part of it. Live in harmony with one another. That's good. That matches with the verse before. Do not be proud. And here's the big no-no that's so easy to fall into. When your pride is supreme, it can light up any one of those four things. Pride can light up, convince. Pride can light up, convict. Pride can light up, coerce. And pride can light up, coerce, control. It always has a problem. Because every one of those four C's is telling someone else, I'm right, you're wrong. And pride 
as I said, can fuel that whole business. Last one is another obligation. <clears throat> Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Because if we try to repay that other person with the wrong that they've done to us, we're trying to get even with them, and that is not Christ-like at all, not in Christ's mindset. So conflict comes quite frequently in our day-to-day -day lives. Sometimes it lasts for years. It's just too easy to try to get back at that person. But what God wants us to do is to get back to that person. That's what Jesus was about. Don't repay evil for evil. Repay evil for love. So the light of, in light of that, our decision must be, I will get back to, not get back at. It's not healthy. There are no half measures, because if you go only halfway and say, I forgive or I forgave, <coughs> now I'm going to sit back and wait. That's half measure. <coughs> You're saying, I've done my bit, I've forgiven. Now it's up to you, come on, snap to it. You're still getting back at that person. It's not the way to do it. It doesn't work. The four C's just don't work. So God did not stop with forgiveness. There was more than just forgiveness. This was part of last week's sermon as well. God's forgiveness was a means to an end. Forgiveness is critical, but that's not where you stop. Reconciliation was the end of forgiveness. God was so loving that God moved to us. Whether or not we moved to God, <coughs> God moved to us. He came to us, not at us. That's what love of God is. That's the love that we are required to show to others. As was pointed out last week, you can forgive from a distance but you cannot reconcile from a distance. You have to be with the person. Another trap that is just so easy, if you think of the person who's caused you the strife and you forgive and wait, or you're tempted to forgive and wait, then you could try the following prayer. <clears throat> it's not my prayer. It's one I got from somewhere else. The prayer is, Heavenly Father, help me to see whoever that person is, the way that you do. Help me to feel toward that person the way that you feel. To see, to feel the way that God wants us to do it. Because that's the way God does it. And God really wants us to be more worried and more upset about a broken relationship than to waste our energies on anger, resentment and getting back at someone, particularly when it's a broken relationship and it's the other person who started it. Don't bother. God wants us to see that other person in the way that God does. 
Because when we feel towards someone what our Heavenly Father feels towards them, it becomes easier to move toward that person the way that Jesus moved towards people, including us here today, even though it happened a long time ago. The relationship may not change, but at least you've done your bit. You've tried to help. And in the meantime, if you work on this and it becomes part of your body, part of your mind, part of your practice, then the thing is that you can change and change for the better. They may be completely unconvinced and just stay where they are. I hate you, Beth. That's not what should be happening to us if we are doing this in a genuine manner. God has not finished working on us if we haven't done that because God has infinite patience and we don't. Now I started this story with a sermon about story about George who wouldn't be convinced about me when I had this brilliant way of doing things. I knew I had the right answer in terms of fertilising the lawn. George would not be convinced. And I knew he had a very edgy personality. Remember that chip that was so big on that? Might have been that shelter, I can't recall. I think it was on both actually. And he disappeared. Yes, I regret that. I regretted it at the time and I still regret it. He died long, long ago, so I can't tell him. Because I was trying to convince him using one of those naughty C words. That was the problem. Because that set of four Cs, convince and so on, none of them works. They're all wrong. They don't help relationships particularly fragile or even worse still, broken. Use any of that lot, <clears throat> you're heading for trouble. So today we've gone one step further in this series of four to understand how to reconcile, how to get back, how to get forward when the relationship is broken. You can't do the 4C thing. So, again, you must go forward and resolve that I will get back to that person, not get back at that person. doesn't work. So, yes, reassembly always starts with us, no matter who caused the problem. So we must be the ones who make the effort to resolve that situation. No matter who caused the problem, we, they, or both of us. Whether or not the approach works with the other person is one thing, but if we do it genuinely, it should work with us. We do all we can to do our best to resolve the problem. And the key is in that first little sentence from the letter to the Philippians, we must have the mindset of Christ. So a couple of little musical references. We sing about this active love of God <clears throat> in the modern song that says, there's no shadow he won't light up, mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's no wall he won't kick down, no lie he won't tear down coming after you and me. That's the modern sort of song that we sing these days. But on a more gentle note, there's a dear old hymn that goes about it this way. O God that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, 
Fullerby. Most of you oldies will remember that one. Beautiful hymn. So no matter how we look at it, think about it, or sing about it, God always wants to be close to us. God always wants us to be more Christ-like in our dealings, particularly with broken relationships. Amen. Let's pray. This morning, Lord, we know that we have hurt people, and often it's because we've used one of those dreaded four C's of the four C approach. And Lord, we apologise and we try to get things right next time by following your way. We pray for those who suffer because relationships have suffered. And often, Lord, that will include ourselves because we are ones who need fixing up as well as others especially when we are hurt. We pray for those who are unsuccessful in trying to fix a broken relationship and who can't work out what's gone wrong. But Lord, we ask you to give them peace as long as you can get through to them. That if they've done their bit, that's as far as they can go. We can't make other people do whatever we want them to do. We also pray, Lord, that we must always remember that reassembly always starts with us, no matter who has caused that problem. And we ask, Lord, that we try our hardest to deal with other people with a mindset of Jesus.